My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Jessica Chen and Jamal Newell. One of the most widespread and energetic movements of recent years has been the extensive mobilizing by low-wage workers pushing to raise the minimum wage. It has taken different forms in different jurisdictions, but across North America, these campaigns have come together under the common banner of the Fight for 15, which encapsulates the core demand of a raise in the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Though the outcomes of these campaigns have also varied from place to place, they've won at least some level of increase in minimum wages in a lot of jurisdictions, and they've won commitments to phase in the full $15 an hour amount in more than a few. Though bringing the minimum wage up to more livable levels is the most visible demand in pretty much all of these campaigns, on some level, they're all about more than dollars and cents. Whether it is present mainly in the details of the many stories that low-wage workers tell about their lives, or whether it finds expression in concrete demands, all of these campaigns are about a much more expansive vision of dignity and about solidarity. They're about all of the many ways that low-wage workers get ground down because of how employers are allowed to treat them, and about their growing determination to stand together and get that changed. Ontario is one of the jurisdictions where demands beyond the minimum wage level have been most clearly articulated. In part, this is because the provincial government has been undertaking its first exhaustive review in two decades of the rules around basic employment standards. In Ontario, therefore, the campaign is called the Fight for 15 and Fairness. Along with regular actions in communities across the province, often anchored by workers' centres, labour councils, anti-poverty groups and other kinds of organisations, the Fight for 15 and Fairness has also included plenty of campus-based organising. This is really not surprising. Years ago, when it came to grassroots politics, the categories of student and worker were treated as separate, and the political work done by activists in their respective milieus was often quite distinct. Increasingly today, however, students have no choice but to be waged workers as well. Tuition in Ontario is among the highest in Canada, and lots of students can only afford to pay for school, rent, food, and all the rest by working one, two, or even more jobs. And most jobs available to youth pay the minimum wage or only slightly more. Jessica Chen is a third-year student at York University in Toronto. She works two minimum wage jobs in the service industry, so she has a very personal stake in raising the minimum wage and in improving basic employment standards. Jermall Newell is a second-year student at York. He also works for a wage, but in his case it's in a unionized position in the auto sector. This means that the issues of the Fight for 15 and Fairness campaign don't impact him directly, but he participates because he believes that solidarity among workers in different situations is crucial to making advances for all working people. Chen and Newell tell me about the broader Fight for 15 and Fairness campaign and about how it's playing out at York University. 
In particular, they illustrate very clearly how the campaign as it's happening at York may have begun from the strong hook of the $15 an hour wage demand, but has quickly built to a broader vision of better lives for low-wage workers. Yes, like most Fight for 15 and Fairness groups across the province, they are mobilizing to put pressure on the provincial government as we draw closer to the expected summer release of the final report from the Employment Standards Review, but the York group goes even farther. They're part of broader efforts to build alliances between students and workers on the campus. They played a role in supporting the recent strike by food service workers on campus employed by private sector giant Aramark, who demanded and won a raise to $15 an hour. And they see it as essential to talk about how racial justice and economic justice are tied together and to name and challenge racism as an integral part of building the solidarity necessary to win dignity and better lives for all workers. We spoke by Skype to phone from Toronto. Good afternoon, Scott. This is Jamal Newell speaking. I'm a second year here at York University. Fight for 15 and Fairness really reached a soft spot to me to see how many people who are just not getting a fair wage. And it isn't even like they're asking for too much. It's a very basic wage. Like me, I'm actually a Chrysler employee, FCA in Brampton, Ontario, and I get a significant amount more than 15. So my place here might be a little questionable, but I still want to support them regardless. I believe this 15 fairness is an advocate for just the most basic of things that you usually see with unionized based companies, paid sick days, paid mental health days. You see, I get all these things because I'm a part of a local 1285 and I pay union dues. There's so many of these things that I strongly believe that it should be mandatory for all people living in Ontario. A lot of these business owners are morally inept to just simply do the right thing, pay people a little bit wage. And I believe they just need just a little bit more support, a little bit more of a push. And maybe, maybe we might get the right people to see it and push for us and help us as well so we can help everyone else. My name is Jessica Chen. I'm a third year psychology student here at York University. Personally, myself, I saw Fight for 15 as something that could help us all, especially as university students. We have debt pays and minimum wages isn't enough. It doesn't crack it for us. I personally, myself, work two minimum wage jobs. I actually get less than minimum wage. I get nine something, I believe. It's because I work as a waitress and a bartender. A lot of people say it's because of my tips, but some nights I've gone home with $3 in tips, $12 in tips. It's not exactly something that I can rely on. So Fight for 15 is something that really is personal to myself as well. Personally, myself, how I got involved in this is I enrolled in a class called Work for a Change, and we basically focus on different kind of campaign activist groups, things like that. And one that particularly stood out to me was 15 Fairness. And when I found out that we had a club here at York, I decided to get involved. It's like a grassroots kind of battle where you need volunteers, you need people, you need support to be able to get that 15 in Fairness. It's not something that can be just done overnight or with small groups of people. A lot of money goes to, like, CEOs, the business owners. They make, I don't even know how much. While the rest of us are stuck only making $9, $11 an hour. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. I'm just watching myself that my parents pay my tuition. I don't know how the average person could afford tuition. <laughs> Is it $11 now? 44. 44. It's terrible. I work two minimum shops just to be able to pay for my groceries, general supplies, you know, textbooks and things like that, rent. So before we get into what's been happening at York specifically, maybe walk listeners through the big picture of the Fight for 15. 
Fox 15 is an international movement. It initially started in the U.S. I believe it's when the air workers won a $15 minimum wage. I don't remember the specific year and time, but it was also a movement led by fast food and other low-wage workers. I believe it grew in scale and influence in 2016 with like, what, 25 states? Cities and countries raising wages for about 11.8 million workers. New campaigns seeking raise of pay for about 8 million workers, 8 million more, I should say, in at least 13 states and cities this year. Seattle, New York, L.A., San Francisco, Washington, they have all won $15 minimum wage legislation. And the 5 for 15 has ushered in legislation provisions for paid sick days, fair scheduling, mitigating involuntary part-time work, eliminating sub-minimum wages for tip workers, and the list actually just goes on. In the U.S., particularly the November 29th strike, saw people striking over, what, 340 cities? That was a bit of something when I found that out. That website, I believe, said, I have this here, quotes, in the Trump era, as before, we need a moral revival in which economic justice and racial justice go hand in hand. That's why airport workers and fast food workers went on strike for 15 an hour and union rights. That's why home care workers, child care workers, higher education, and for the first time ever, Uber drivers came out to demand $15. Why we fight tooth and nail against every attempt to break up families through mass deportations, ignore structural racism and police killings of black people, or take away our health care, we won't back down. Why 15? It, it, it's a jump in terms of a wage increase, but still feasible for workers to achieve. I believe if we achieve $15 an hour for workers, we'll feel, I guess, confident they can win and demand more. Plus, I guess the key to it is to building a stronger workers' movement. In Ontario, the percentage of the population earning below $15 an hour is almost, what, 30%? That's at least a million workers. 15 in fairness demands $15 an hour provincial minimum wage, seven paid sick days without a need for medical note, more annual vacay time, Everyone included the minimum wage, you know, youth, food servers, temporary workers, or TPTs, equal pay for equal work. It's necessary to organize now in Ontario the movement. The government is doing changing workplaces review, which will give recommendations about your regular Employment Standards Act. Final report is expected this spring or summer. This hasn't been reviewed in over 20 years. The content of the report, as well as the content and timing of subsequent legislation, for example, before or after provincial election, will be shaped by the extent of which workers' movements counter organized opposition from employers. The next six months will be crucial in determining the potential political terrain in the lead up to the next provincial election. I believe that's scheduled for. June 2018. How do all of these kinds of changes matter in the lives of low-wage workers, and I guess particularly in the lives of students? Well, for someone like me who works two jobs, I know one of my other jobs, I will not state names, but 
sometimes doesn't release my schedule until maybe I've had it the day before, even the morning of the day I'm to work. And it causes trouble for me because I have school to focus on. I have my other job who's calling and asking me, when am I working? When can I work for my other job? And I can't tell them. I'm like, I don't know. My other employer hasn't released my schedule. I'm being threatened to get fired because at this point I've become a nuisance. And that's just something we want for everyone to have a reasonable time to have your schedule. I believe those two weeks in advance. Other things we want to focus on is like paid sick days without the need to pay for a doctor's note. Yeah, that APR. Yeah. Usually 90 plus bucks. I don't even know the price. I don't want to know. I just go into work. A majority of my friends that I know are working minimum wage jobs. Actually, I don't know any of them that are paid more than minimum wage, now that I think about it. We all work little jobs as cashiers, waitresses, hostesses. We're all just trying to pay for our own tuition, hired as a student. And with tuition rates, they're constantly rising. In Ontario, we pay one of the highest tuition rates in all of Canada. But our minimum wage is not going up anymore. It's going up by a few cents per year. Terrible. Even worse for foreign students where they pay three times the amount. Just imagine their real issues. I don't know if either of you were involved at this point, but tell me what you know at least about how the Fight for 15 and Fairness group at York University got started. The campaign at Fight for 15 here at York, it started in the fall of 2015. Personally, myself, I joined just this year. What about you, Jamal? I did join the January of 2016. They started out with only like a handful of students, and then their goal was to do outreach, to weekly petitioning and student centers, meetings, participating in campus-wide events, building a student worker alliance to act on labor issues at NERF. And even right now, we, we do petitioning on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We have meetings every Tuesday. We usually have one person chairing the meeting. We have a general breakdown of what we're going to cover. The way decisions I make is based on vote. If anyone has any ideas, we welcome people to come. Come during meetings. Voice your opinion. Is there anything you think we're doing wrong? Anything we're doing right? Any new ideas? We welcome anyone, really. We've always been rallying. I believe most of us have seen the Queen Park. In October, petitioning, we're always doing that here in York, all the time, every part of York. We also extend to malls, subway stations, mosques, community centers, and other schools, elementary schools, everyone that anywhere would have any type of worker making under 15. Lobbying to petitions, which we've recently seen our MP Sergio here in Rexdale, crashing stakeholder meetings, and the list just continues to go on. And so far, we've collected over 3,000 signatures. We found a majority of students speak in support of the campaign, many which are making minimum wage or low-income workers themselves. Particularly, what was really successful was like the wall of wages. It was a visual act where students were asked to place their wages on the giant wall relative to their employers. And then our campaign was endorsed by student unions, such as the York Federation of Students, and after first joining the campaign last year, they agreed to raise the wage of our entire directed higher student workforce to $15 an hour. As well as our student center, all the food services there are $15 an hour. And as of yesterday, the food service workers under Aramark. Uh, and here Chen is referring to food service workers at York employed by Aramark, who at the time of the interview had just won their strike to raise their base wages to $15 an hour. As of yesterday, 
the food service workers under Airmark are officially making $15 an hour along with paid benefits for their family. Because a lot of them work 40 hours a week, but they're still considered part-time. And I've heard stories of them experiencing discrimination, racism. Terrible. We've also presented our signatures to the MVP, as Jamal stated earlier. So we'll just see our accomplishments here at York. Tell me more about the wall of wages action that you mentioned. We basically set up a table at, if anyone knows, Barry Hall. It's quite large. It's a busy, heavy traffic area. We go up to students, just ask them to simply write down how much they make. And then above them, we have their major CEOs, bosses, even our president here at York University, and how much they make. As students are placing their hourly wages on the wall, they can compare to their bosses, and hopefully that essentially persuade them into signing and believing in our campaign, why we need to raise minimum wage. One of the things I've heard from other Fight for 15 groups is about lots of really theatrical, dramatic kinds of actions. What other kinds of things along those lines have you done at York? Other things we've done is like on Valentine's Day, we had the little event. Yeah. I believe they were called Your Boss Doesn't Love You. <laughs> yeah, that's what we decided to name it. We had cake. We had basically we asked students to write Valentine's Day cards to either A, their boss, the reasons why they don't love you. Maybe they discriminate against you. Maybe they call you into work last minute, even though you're not on call. Maybe you're forced to work overtime without overpay. You know, reasons why your boss doesn't love you. We also gave them the option to write nice Valentine's Day cards to the Airmark workers who are currently on strike. It was a fun time. It really brought a lot of attention. People were interested in what's going on. How do I get a spike cake? We collected quite a few signatures that day as well. It was oh, lovely. Yeah. Further events, I know they typically like to do things around holidays. Last Christmas, they had the caroling. What was it called? It was the caroling challenge. I think it was Ryerson that challenged us. Because UFT challenged them, long list of challenges, and I believe it turned out well. It was fun, and I believe it got the message across. We just mainly want to catch people's attention, get people interested. What is this? And if they like, how can they get involved? Because the more numbers we have, the greater chance we have. Tell me more about the strike by Aramark workers on campus and what your group did to support them. The local 785 were on a strike. It affected up to 200 workers at York, about 35 workers on strike at UFT Scarborough campus as well. The starting wage at Aramark was 12.21. The workers were demanding base wages to be raised to $15 immediately. Workers have said plenty of times they face anti-black racism, harassment, sexism, and Islamophobia in the workplace. After seeing a promotion, one worker was literally told bluntly by her manager that she would never get one since she was a Muslim. Another openly suggested that they need to hire fewer black people. It is a bit to swallow, but that's not all. Workers are bargaining. Workers were bargaining with Aramark, the company is subcontracted by York University, because the workers believe that the university is responsible for the poor working conditions, low wages, and they could fix the situation by requiring contractors to deal with these issues fairly and their workers. We were asking students and the community to go to york15.ca, sign the letter, pressure York administration to negotiate a deal to honor the workers' demands. We needed students to show York that even though we don't work under Airmark, 
even though we may not be making the same wage that they are, we won't stand for them to be treated and working under terrible work conditions. We want the president to know that we're, we as students aren't going to give business to Airmark or York if they don't treat their workers reasonably. During the strike, at one point, Airmark tried to break the strike by convincing a few workers to come back to work. So they managed to open up, I believe, the two Tim Hortons, yeah. Starbucks, and part of the cafe. So we were literally on the front lines. As students came in, we'd tell them, please do reconsider. Check out other places that aren't under Airmark to try to lure customers away. To show Airmark, if you don't treat your workers properly, you're not going to make any business. As well as with the coffee solidarity, which is where right in front of Starbucks, we'd give out free coffee to persuade students not to purchase it. And actually, that emptied the lines at Starbucks. We were working on the Real Food, Real Jobs Coalition, organized by York students in the last year. To raise awareness about the conditions of food sector workers, we've organized rallies, you know, flyers, solidarity, coffee, which we try to do as often as possible. We just wanted everyone to come out and let's all work together, unified front. That's why the Fight 15 and Fairness has started, not just for a minimum wage change, but for all workers here at York University. Solidarity means the most to us. In the course of leafleting and tabling and the various kinds of actions that you do, what's the range of kinds of conversations that you've had with students? Most responses we get from their students are pretty positive. Most people are like, yeah. Even I've had some people who told me they make well over $15 an hour and they still leave in the cause. They're like, yeah, students, we shouldn't be making $11 an hour and hoping to pay off their tuition at such a low rate. Of course, you do get the occasional people that disagree. I've had some people that just for some reason stand there, look at me after five minutes and just say no and walk away. You get some weird people, but I'd say the majority of people are pretty on board with the whole campaign once you break down and explain to them what we want and essentially that we just want a better anything that involves its workers' environment. There's also the not-so-positive conversations you would have. There were students that had concerns about signing the petition because they're foreign students and they didn't have permanent residency here. They believed that it would affect where they live and how they may live. Or what is most common with students' uh, opinions was if they mattered or not. That was the one that really showed up very common. They were just wondering, like, it doesn't even matter if they put their signature down, if they decide to join. And we, just like every single person, every vote in every campaign matters, so every signature in every petition matters. You mentioned earlier the importance of seeing the interconnection between economic justice and racial justice. Talk more about that interconnection and about its significance. It's very primitive to even use racism as leverage or use racism in any possible way. Honestly, I, I, I find it just beyond ignorant to even hear this today, and as a black male here at York University, I'm 30, it's not a rare thing, and I think that's the biggest issue. I think that's the, really the biggest issue, because I've seen it pretty much all my life, and I don't think there's going to be a day that I don't actually see it. But I really do believe in time that workers, CEOs, may come to terms with the blatant fact that we're all people. We're out here to do a job. What should it matter what one looks like? As long as you dress the way you're supposed to, you do your job the way you're supposed to, 
everything should work out well. Really terrible, actually. Myself, I've worked in quite a few minimum wage jobs. I've, I've experienced some where I've had a boss tell me, if you know any girls that are looking for a job, let me know. And I suggested one of my friends try to apply. And when she did, he immediately turned her down saying, oh, he wasn't looking for any more girls, which was a surprise to me because he literally finished telling us he was looking for people. And then I realized he seemed to only hire a certain race or people with certain luck, which was terrible. And it sucks for people that are minorities. Myself, I'm Chinese. I'm a minority. And that's something I don't want in my future when I'm looking for a job. I don't want to be turned down because I don't fit a certain luck. I'm not the proper race. That's something terrifying for someone like me. And what can campaigns like the Fight for 15 and Fairness be doing in response to some of those kinds of injustices? I guess the first thing to do would be to grab their opinions, listen to actually what they have to say first, and then let them know we're there for them. Solidarity is important. The unified front is what we intend on showing and what we intend on doing. So given that later this year we'll be seeing the release of the final report of the Provincial Review of Employment Standards Legislation, what does the overall Fight for 15 and Fairness campaign need in order to ensure that low-wage workers in Ontario get the best possible results from that process? I think our biggest thing is numbers in terms of like collecting signatures. And just like what we did here at York with the rallies in the march, we have them downtown Toronto. We go speak to our MPPs, let them know that we're not okay with what's going on. That's the exact same thing we did here at York. And it shows it's effective, at least here at York. So we hope the thing happens here in Ontario. This isn't just a fight for students. It's a fight for anyone in Ontario making minimum wage, struggling to provide for themselves or their family. Definitely access the Facebook page. It literally has everything you could possibly need to know about the York 5 for 15. Send a message. There's also links to emails, which will go to usually our facilitator, Dave Bush. And he will definitely either get back to you or get one of us to get back to you. We definitely want as many people a part of this as possible. Even if you're not a part of York, maybe you're part of USC, Ryerson, or even just someone in Toronto. There's 15 fairness group subdivisions in each of these categories. And even as an individual, you can go to your MVP, you can make an appointment with them, let them know that you are a firm believer in 15 fairness. You have been listening to my interview with Jessica Chen and Jamal Newell about the organizing at York University in Toronto that's part of the province-wide campaign for an increase in the minimum wage and improvements to basic employment standards. To learn more about the provincial campaign, go to 15andfairness.org. That's numeral 1, numeral 5, and fairness.org. And to learn about the York campaign, search on Facebook for Fight for 15 and Fairness York. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.